Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Frances Patterson, and I serve as Stephen Minister in our congregation, and the service to do that has been blessed. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Let us pray. Lead us in your truth this day, gracious God. We long to know your ways and to be guided by your spirit. Direct us into that realm where your purposes govern the hearts and the minds of all your children. We want to grow in the likeness of Jesus, to learn to live in ways that are pleasing to you. We wait for you now, eager to respond to your instruction. Let nothing cut us off from you or separate us from one another, not only in this time of worship, but as we face the challenges of another week. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Let us worship God. Jewish expression of grief is the rending or tearing of garments by a mourner prior to a funeral service. God wants our hearts to break over the sin that causes death and separates us from him. And so he says to the prophet Joel, rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Let us take him at his word and confess our sins together. Have mercy on your church, O God, for we forget the covenant into which you call us. We muddle along in our self-serving schemes rather than waiting on your word. We follow the path of least resistance, 
without seeking your higher way. We forget our baptism into a faith community built on trust and forgiveness. We turn from the vision of heaven to the treacherous hell of competing egos. O oh God, we turn to you to lead us to a new day. According to your steadfast love, forgive us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God hears our prayers. He loves and values us. He forgives what is past and calls us to new life as disciples of his son, Jesus Christ. In Christ, we are freed to begin again, to rebuild our relationships, and to live in joy. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. with believers across the globe and down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you to turn and greet your, your neighbors with all the love of Christ. <laughs>
Good morning. We welcome you to Church of the Palms. We are especially grateful if you happen to be visiting with us today, maybe even for the first time. We're thankful that you're with us and we are grateful that this can be a family of faith of which you can be a part and we hope that you will find many opportunities for you to link in with us throughout the course of each week and the bulletin is full of opportunities for you to learn about what is happening here at Church of the Palms. We would love to know your name, so fill out the friendship pads which are in the pews at the end of the pews and pass them along to your neighbor. And we would love to hear about you. And if there's anything that we can be doing to serve you better, please just jot a note down on that friendship pad and we will do our best to respond to your needs. We are glad to be able to tell you that our first Honduras team has returned safely. They have uh, came back last night and we're anxious to hear good stories from them about good things that have happened through their, uh, their time down in Honduras over the past week doing some construction projects for an orphanage down there. Our second team passed them in the air and uh, they are now there uh, doing good work uh, as uh, they provide vacation Bible school for I think it was uh, four or 500 school children that will, uh, they'll be touching uh, their lives over the course of the next week. So keep them in your prayer and they are due to return home next Saturday. As I mentioned, there's lots of things happening here. This is our first Sunday of Lent. And so we begin our journey to the cross and we invite you and encourage you to join us through all the many opportunities to do so, including a new class that begins tonight at 5.30 here in the sanctuary, Lord, Teach Me to Pray. And we're going to be looking at the teachings of Jesus on prayer. And as uh, Lent gives us that chance to ponder our own prayer life, we invite you to come and explore a little bit about the mysteries and, and the marvels of what prayer is all about. 5.30 here at the sanctuary led by myself. Next, uh, this coming Wednesday, we have a new course being taught by Charlie Hausner. And Charlie's gonna be sharing with us a little bit about the Israel-Palestinian situation as it finds its sort of focus historically at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And so lots of great information that you'll learn about a present day situation that goes way, way, way back in time. So you won't wanna miss that this coming Wednesday after our dinner over in the Campus Center. And then coming up on Sunday, we have our wonderful concert, Noah's Flood, which will be at 3 o'clock and 7 p.m. You won't want to miss this. This is going to be a great uh, musical uh, offering and a chance for you to rethink again the, the story of Noah. We would love to have you join us. Tickets are available for $10 underneath the tree and or <coughs> in the church office. So come and join us next Sunday for that great uh, musical offering. Crop Walk is also next Monday, uh, next Sunday, and we invite you to uh, join us in that great mission effort as we seek to bring some relief to world hunger, and we would love for you to sponsor or to participate in that walk. Our Legacy Society meets this coming Saturday for lunch, and if you'd like to learn more about that, uh, those opportunities are available for you in the uh, bulletin, so learn about more about the Legacy Society and how you can be a part of that. And we are in the midst of our stewardship generosity season. Uh, last week, we brought our commitments before the Lord, and many of you couldn't be here, or many of you have not been able to have the chance to do that yet, and we invite you to do so. In fact, on page 20 in your bulletin, there is an actual pledge card, so you can use that, tear that out of your uh, bulletin, and you can put that in the offering plate or send that in over the course of the next week or so. And of course, there are pledge cards available for you in your pew. But some great things are happening. We're grateful for the response we have received so far, but we still have some ways to go and we'd love for you to be a part of that uh, season of generosity here at Church of the Palms. 
We are a very mission-minded church and are seeking all sorts of ways by which we can connect with our community. And we have a, a new one of those opportunities. Sarah Sobolewski is here to share with us a new offering that we're gonna be inviting you into here at Church of the Palms of reaching out to a very specific need here in our community. So tell us the good news, Sarah. Good morning. Over 40% of the homeless population in Sarasota are homeless families. That means over 600 students in our community are documented as homeless. Family Promise brings the faith community together to provide food, shelter, and support services to many of these families. Their mission is to help these families achieve sustainable independence, and it works. That's the main thing about Family Promise, it works. They have an over 80% success rate of getting these families back into permanent housing. We are happy to say that Family Promise is coming to Church of the Palms, and we need your help. The week of March 22nd, we'll welcome our first uh, guests here. We'll have up to three families, and they'll stay with us here on campus for one week. It is an ongoing ministry, and we will welcome Family Promise guests one week per quarter. But the first week is this coming week of March 22nd, so we need your help. You can help by helping to feed our guests. You can prepare a hot dinner at your home and enjoy it with the, our guests here at the church. Or alternatively, you can bring breakfast and lunch items so that they can prepare for themselves and their children breakfast and they can pack lunches for work and for school. We also need volunteers to serve as overnight hosts. Two hosts spend the night on provided beds and are just available in case of an emergency. So you're basically providing an invaluable service by sleeping. <laughs> We need a few people to help us get the rooms set up and broken down at the end of the week. And you can give, if you can't give your time, we need a number of things to help our guests feel really welcome here. Our main need is twin size sheets and blankets, but we have a list of things from very little things to larger things if you can't give your time that week of March 22nd. I had the opportunity to volunteer for Family Promise along with my family on a number of occasions and we made meals and we stayed overnight. And on one occasion we met a sweet family of three people. They had a four-year-old son. And we went to the playground and as I sat with this mother and we watched our children play together. <laughs> I was struck by how much we had in common. We had a lot of common interests, we liked the same TV shows, we had similar work histories, but more than anything, I was struck by how much we loved our children and how concerned she was that their, their um, housing situation was having an effect on their son and how I was playing a really small but important part in them rebuilding their own lives just by cooking what some might argue was a mediocre meal and by sleeping there, I was a part of their rebuilding and they did rebuild. Within 90 days, they were back into permanent housing, and now they serve as volunteers for Family Promise. So that, that's it in a nutshell, and I hope you'll consider serving as well. You can find the link to sign up to serve on the website in the email blasts, or you can track me down in between the services. I will be under the oak tree. Thank you for your time.
Let us quiet our minds and our hearts as we pray together. Lord God, your unfailing love surrounds us and you fill our hearts with life and songs of joy. We thank you for being in covenant with us, but now we've stepped into Lent and we want to follow you where you lead. So we pray that you will speak deeply into our souls during these weeks. You have pledged to us and you have asked us to be your people, trusting you in all of our ways. But we find many excuses to prevent us from really trusting you. We erect barriers before our faith journey even matures. Our time, obligations, energy, all become a part of the bricks and mortar which fashion our barriers. We could give lip service to the journey. We can daydream about what it would be to truly place our hands in yours and follow you. But when it comes to actually making the journey, our time constraints and weak commitments loom largely before us. Help us, Lord, to tear down these barriers. Make us ready for this journey by replacing the fear in our hearts with a sense of joy and challenge of self-discovery and discipleship. Like your son faced his temptations in the wilderness, give us courage to face and to name our own temptations and to direct our lives in obedience to you. You know us better than we know ourselves. So may we know as we are known and grow closer in discernment to the vision you have for us. Keep those who struggle with illness strong in their faith, we pray, so that they can lean on you through the tough times ahead. We pray for a healing hand over those who are suffering. Stand by those, as we've heard this morning, who are hungry or homeless, that they may not be tempted to despair. We silently speak the names of our friends and family members and others in which healing and comfort are needed. Let us remember that we all stand in the need of prayer and healing. Help us to turn our hearts and our ears, our eyes, our souls toward Jesus who emptied himself for us. Let us never stray so far into despair that we forget the resurrection of our Lord and the power of his spirit in our lives. May we receive your peace and then be witnesses to your love everywhere. So we want to seek and find you. We want to knock and walk through your open door. We want your word to be our main strength. <clears throat> and we pray that you will bless all, everyone who seeks you. We raise all of this, plus what may be private to us in our prayers, to you, Lord, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now let's present our tithes and offerings as the ushers come to wait upon us.
receive these offerings and gifts, O Lord, in the spirit of our response to your steadfast love. As your son Jesus was transformed through the resurrection, may we be transformed in the way in which these gifts are felt deeply within us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And we see Come on, guys. Carol for, and ask all the children in the audience to join. Come on her. up. We got a special cast of characters today. How's everybody? Everybody sit right down here, not on the top step for me. Just right here, yeah. Come on up. I know there's lots today. Great. So guys, today we are talking about, come sit, not on the top step, but on these steps. That's fine, just sit down. Here guys, have a seat over here. Yeah, Owen, good job, Ryan. Okay, today we're talking about forgiveness. How many times do you think we need to forgive somebody if they do something that um, really is mean or is just isn't fair? How many times do you think we should forgive them? Yeah, what do you think? Two times, okay. What do you think? What do you think? Alexander, what do you think? Once. Anybody else? Yeah. What do you think, Sydney? Um, three. Three times, maybe like tr three strikes, you're out. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, what happens if it's our brother or sister and they just messed up our room or broke our toys? Or Do we have to forgive our brothers or sisters, do you think? Always. Always. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know what? <clears throat> Jesus tells us, <clears throat> that we should forgive, um, we, should, we should forgive others 77 times. What do you think of that? That's a lot of forgiving. Well, in our, in our scripture today, Jesus tells a story about a king who forgives a servant that owes him 10,000 bags of gold. Yeah, and then that servant turns around <clears throat> and doesn't forgive his friend. Look behind you, and we've got a story that will unfold. Bring me my servant. Do you have the gold I lent you? Well, sort of. I may have spent it. All of it? Well, all of it. Well, how are you supposed to pay me back now? I'm so sorry, I can't pay you back. Well, then I will have to send you to jail. No, please. Don't send me to jail. I beg of you, please. Rise, you have my mercy. You may go. Thank you. Hey, hey you, you owe me money. Yes, but I don't, I can't, I don't have it. I can't pay you back. Prove it, empty your pockets. See, here's the bag of silver you let me borrow. Unacceptable. I'm gonna have to send you to jail, buddy. Please, no, have mercy on me, I beg. Don't send me to jail. No mercy for you. It's off to jail for you. Take her away. What are you doing, my servant? He threw a servant to jail. Hmm. I have shown you forgiveness, and you have shown none in return. You should be the one going to jail. Officer, take him away. Wow. <laughs> Good job. <clears throat> okay. 
Jesus reminds us that we should forgive and love others just as he has forgiven and loves us so much. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we know that your forgiveness is for everyone at all times. Thank you for showing us <clears throat> how we must love and forgive others, even when it's kind of hard. Amen. Great job. Come on up. Well, on Wednesday night, we began our Lenten journey with a wonderful service here in the sanctuary of communion and the imposition of ashes. And, and in that service, we were encouraged to think about the, the time at hand. Lent is that time in the church year where we set ourselves apart to focus and wonder about the time at hand. What is this time to mean for us in the present moment? How are we to respond to the mercy and grace of God in this season of our life? What practice can we make these days that would awaken us to the next step that we should take in following Jesus? In your bulletin, we included a covenant card for you to use. Some of you received this on Wednesday night, but others of you, maybe this is the first time for you to see it. It's a means by which for you to think through a little bit about how you want this season, this six weeks of Lent, to be for you. How, what type of journey do you want to take? What Lenten practice might you want to follow? And how might you put yourself apart in such a way to understand what God might be calling you to do in this Lenten time? We also hope that maybe throughout the Lenten season, you'll take the time to tell your stories, not only to each other in person, but also you might want to put a story on the Facebook page of Church of the Palms where you can share a little bit about how it is that you have taken your own journey and what difference that has made for your life. 
Also during this season, we are going to be focusing on Sunday mornings on some of the stories of Jesus and the ways by which he invites us to consider very uh, particular things as we make our way through this Lenten season, bringing ourselves to the cross and the empty tomb. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the theme of forgiveness, as we just heard from our little drama group. Uh, we will be thinking about what next step might we take as we wonder about the challenge that Christ lays before us to forgive our brother and sister. And so to that end, we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 18, beginning at the 15th verse. Hear the word of God. Jesus speaks and says, if another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone, and if the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you're not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And if the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of the slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him by the throat said, pay what you owe. And then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused and then went and, then and went through him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. And then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and yes, through your mercy, open our eyes to see not just this word read, but the word made flesh who would yearn for us to not only receive mercy, 
but to offer it. This we pray in his name, amen. Has there ever been a time in your life when you are not the greatest person to be around? <laughs> Has there ever been a time in your life when your mood was in such a way, or your anger was in such a way, or your indignation was in such a way, or your behavior was in such a way that it was just hard for people to be with you, or to like you, or to even reason with you? That how you thought and how you behaved brought about such chaos for people around you. For some of you, I realize that if this moment ever occurred, it was fleeting, momentary. But I would be willing to bet that there have been, even for the nicest of us, those times when there was enough churning deep down inside us that as much as we didn't like it, we kind of turned ugly for the people around us. We've all had that time when we sort of turn ugly and we make life difficult. In C.S. Lewis's children's story, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Lewis tells of a young boy named Eustace who's a rather irascible little lad, selfish, irritable, never happy, and all around brat. At one point, Eustace gets turned into a dragon, a befitting metamorphosis. And for a short while, he doesn't even realize he's a dragon. Then finally he does, and for a few moments, he likes the idea of being a dragon. It means he doesn't have to be afraid anymore. It means he can be a terror. It means he can, he can be nasty to all the ones he doesn't like. And then after a few moments later, the knowledge of being dragon sinks into him, and Eustace all of a sudden doesn't like the idea of being a dragon. Lewis writes, the moment Eustace thought about getting back at all those people he didn't like, he realized he didn't want to. He wanted to be friends. He wanted to be back among humans and talk and share things. He realized that, that now he was a monster cut off from the whole human race. And an appalling loneliness came over him. And the poor dragon that had been Eustace lifted up his voice and wept powerful dragon crying, in the eye, uh, crying his eyes out under the moon in a deserted valley and a, is a sight and sound hardly to be imagined. There is, isn't there, a little bit of dragon in every one of us. Inside each of our lives, there is a little bit of an ugly monster. Despite whatever outward appearances we may wish to promote, every one of us has that deep down inside feeling that there's a little monster breathing. Some of us with short fuses have seen the monster leap out almost beyond our control. Some of us are able to keep the monster hidden deep down inside and yet still it growls and makes us do things that we don't want to do. Kathleen Norris in her book, Amazing Grace, tells of working with children in a creative writing exercise to get them to articulate their own spirituality. And she tells of a boy who wrote a poem for her called The Monster Who Was Sorry, a poem in which the little boy speaks of how angry he gets when his father disciplines him and how he has feelings of a monster and how he wants to wreck his room and, and wreck his house and, and wreck even the whole town. And then the poem concludes, then I sit in my messy house and say to myself, I shouldn't have done all that. He is the monster who is sorry. 
And maybe we could all say that about ourselves, that there's a little fire-breathing dragon in each of us. And we, like the Apostle Paul, do those things oh, that we don't want to do, and we don't do those things that we so want to do. And we create a mess with our lives. We create a mess with our dragon's tails. We get ugly and make it hard for those that we most love to be around us. We look around and see the messes we've made and say to ourselves, I shouldn't have done this. Monsters who turn sorry. It is, I suppose, the reason many of us have made our way even here this morning. Somewhere along the way, we have gotten in touch with the fire-breathing dragon inside our skin, and we've met, we have met the Savior, and we have followed him to the cross, and we have seen the lengths to which God will go to love us and to forgive us. We've, we've heard Jesus' words from the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, and we've counted ourselves as one of that number, dragons who didn't know what they were doing. So Jesus tells us the story about the slave who had really made a mess of his life and made a mess of the king's life too. He's managed to rack up so many debts, puts himself in such hock, and put at risk perhaps even the king's own solvency that the hole he's dug for himself is so deep there's no chance of climbing out. His dragon's tail has laid waste to all around him. It's a mess he cannot clean up. Strangely, he thinks he can. Oh, just give me some more time, he says to the king, and I'll, and I'll pay it all back, but he can't. Everyone who reads the story knows he can't. The damage is done. The hole is too deep. And so, in a stunning development, the master forgives him the damage, erases the debt, lets him free, with every hope, of course, that the slave will get the point, that the slave will see how stunning this development really is. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that, that saved a wretch like me. Emphasis on wretch and therefore emphasis on amazing. And that this will make all the difference. This will make, this will make all the difference. But alas, it doesn't. It doesn't make the difference because we know the rest of the story, the, the good turn in this man's mind does not deserve another. <laughs> and the slave just can't manage to forgive the peanuts owed by his fellow slave. Oh no, can't do it, sorry pal. I can't let this one get by me. Oh no, evidently there's a little more wretch in you than there is in me. Somehow he's managed to forget. He's managed to forget that ledger. You know the ledger with all the red ink? that he's managed to lose, that IOU that the master has torn in two. And along with the spiritual amnesia, he has developed a laser-like vision for the red ink in his neighbor. Off the jail you go, pal. You got what you deserved. And in turn, what has he done? He's made a mess again. He's gone off and been a dragon again. 
And therein lies, doesn't it, the deeper truth about you and me, that this dragonness in you and me, this sin, this brokenness, this, this fire-breathing propensity, though Christ has died for us, though, though the debt has been wiped clean, though amazing grace has been poured upon us, beginning to seep itself into our pores, the truth is there is much more seeping left to be done. The stunning development becomes for us less and less stunning. Hector Tobar's compelling book, just published, Deep Down Dark, recounts for us the intense story of the Chilean mine disaster that trapped underneath the ground 33 Chilean miners for 10 weeks we remember this, don't we, four and a half years ago. The world remembers the vigil kept for these 33 men entombed beneath the earth. And for the first 17 days, as, as workers drilled frantically to find the cavity where the men were imprisoned, the miners struggled to survive with, with scant food. And with each passing day, listening to the drilling, lamenting the failed attempts and growing more desperate, the, the men found themselves in turn growing into a deep fellowship. They appointed one of their number, the one who appeared most spiritual, to, to lead them in daily worship together. They, their makeshift pastor gathered them each day and they sang and they prayed and most of all, they confessed. They confessed all of them, all 33 of them together. They told to God and all who would listen the truth about their lives, their failings, their, their selfishness, their poor behavior, their addiction, and what might God do for them if he should rescue them. We aren't the best men, their pastor prayed over and over again but Lord have pity on us we aren't the best men so Lord have mercy upon us and when they sang together it was a fellowship and moment of spirit like none had experienced before said one when we sang together in that cave I forgot for a moment I was trapped in a mine Then day 17 comes and the drilling strikes the target. A path between heaven and earth is established and the men know, know that they, they have gone in an instant from desperate despair to this great chance of being rescued. Well, two more months still wait for them to the drilling to open a large enough shaft for them to be pulled free, but now they can be fed from the outside. Now there's hope. But then Tobar chronicles that the fellowship, once so intimately bound over those next two months, begins to fall apart. The men begin to fight. Sides are chosen up. Worship that once held 33 now holds a half dozen. Some think that they were more the hero. Others think they had sacrificed more greatly. Others remember long-held grievances and quickly is forgotten how equally desperate they had so recently been for mercy. Once mercy had come, <laughs> mercy had been forgotten. And that, of course, right is the crux, that when mercy comes, how quickly it seems to pass. We've all been there, right? We're all likely there now. We found our, on the cross the stunning development, the overwhelming mercy that yearns to, 
to seep into our souls and yet we are here still wondering about what that other guy might owe me. Of course, for many of us, the wounds are deep. The debt others have run up on us is enormous. The pain we've endured is extraordinary. The other guy, yes, of course, has breathed his fire. But our greatest risk is to lose somehow the sight of ourselves in that crowd, the crowd underneath the cross, that gang of dragons breathing fire at the Savior. It's easy to lose ourselves in that picture, monsters making a mess of the world. And to remember that it was to us, and it is to us, the Savior says, Father, forgive them, <laughs> but they don't know what they're doing. It may explain why I found it such holy ground when a friend of mine, a recovering alcoholic, invited me to join him at the meeting of his Alcoholics Anonymous group. For years, he had been telling me that being in the program had saved his life and I'd certainly heard story after story of friends and church members who were in the program and what a difference it had made for them, but had never myself stepped inside that communion. I wasn't sure what to expect and was even less sure that I had any place to be there. I was not a drinker per se, but we went. And there they were, the rich and the poor, the young and the old, well-dressed and the rumpled. The 12 steps before us, the first, of course, being to admit that we were powerless, that our lives had become unmanageable, and two, that there was a power greater than ourselves who could restore us to sanity. And as I sat listening to the man before us speaking with brutal honesty about the wreck he had made of his own life and the lives of others, and his gratitude over two years of sobriety and his mantra of one day at a time, I felt like I was on holy ground. Never had our humanity felt so real. Never had the power felt so real. None of us had anything over the other. No one better, no one worse. A sweet communion of the powerless, dragons who were sorry, yearning for a rescue that comes one day at a time. Could this be said of us? We who gather before the cross, all debtors, all dragons, all powerless, all in desperate need of a savior, one day at a time. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That this may be said each day to us, and that this may be said each day through us.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.